Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Southern California. Hello, everyone. This is Stephen G. Fullwood. I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project. I'm coming to you from Harlem, and it's an overcast day, but still nice. Hi, uh, this is Seth Rodney from Hyperallergic, the Opinions Editor, and I am speaking to you from Overcast Newburgh, New York. This is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. And today we're, you know, we're kind of moving on to a, a different topic, but an impromptu one. We sent around some, uh, some ideas yesterday. And so we're going to talk about if we had another life, I would. Uh, and, and what we mean by that is, if, you know, I mean, we're all certainly in our middle ages at this point. Um, if we were to go back to our late teen, very young adult lives, undoubtedly the three of us had different choices in front of us and could have done different things. This isn't like, you know, I would have played professional basketball. No, I would not have played professional basketball. Um, but this is, but this is, you know, realistically given our capacities, uh, mm-hmm. educational opportunities, uh, things that were maybe a stretch, but still within reach. Uh, what would we have done, uh, instead? Um, so Steven, Seth, Travis, Seth. <laughs> I, I can start. I'm happy to start. Right. Um, when you were just speaking, Travis, I was thinking initially, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't be different, really. I mean, I think more than anything else, I would have been more careful about my educational choices, just because, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I mentioned this, uh, I feel like I've had this conversation, what I'm about to say, I think I've had this conversation with a few people in the last month or so. So forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but mm-hmm. I was listening to a, an episode of This American Life, mm-hmm. which dealt with some major difference that was um, brought about last year by, uh, in um, college application procedures by, by the pandemic. Typically, people would apply with um, you know, their high school transcripts and mm-hmm. extracurricular activities, CV, and SAT scores. But because people could not sit for the SAT last year, mm-hmm. many college campuses started not considering the SAT at all. And some. Yeah, and, and in fact, a number of them have announced that they're not going to do it anymore. Right, anymore. Right, precisely. And so there was a lot of conversation around whether the SATs help in making and help help, um, colleges in making the proper decision, making accurate decisions about Mm -hmm. essentially who will do well, who will go go into school and complete the four year degree, right? That's the, Mm -hmm. that's the, that's the main criterion Mm -hmm. or main concern. So lots of discussion about the usefulness of the SAT, um, how it does not cut across socioeconomic class, how certain um, people are privileged um, to be able to study for it in a certain systematic way, tutoring, blah, 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 right? In the course of this discussion, they one person mentioned someone who, who has been either is a, a 
a college administrator or someone who's been studying um, admission procedures for a while gave some rather stark um, statistics with regards to your life chances if you go to college. So if you do go to one of the like top tier schools like Harvard, Yale, blah, 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 mm-hmm. you have a one in three, uh, or no, three in 10, I think it is. Mm. No, sorry. I'm sorry about this. I think it's one in three chance of becoming one of the, um, they're pretty close by top, the way. Top 10%. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. But <laughs> top 10. I'm trying to remember the way they said it. Top 10, yeah. top 10 percentile for wage earners. Mm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. If you go to uh, just a, a, a mid-tier uh, four-year college, your chance is like one in 11 um, mm-hmm. of becoming one of your top wage earners. Mm-hmm. If you go to a community college, um, your chance is like one in 300. Mm-hmm. If you don't go to college at all, your chance is like one in a thousand. Right. So I would have gone back, I think, and just been a lot more careful about where I got my undergrad degree because I think that getting my undergrad degree at a better school, I went to Long Island University, Brooklyn campus, uh, mm-hmm. and it was a great education. I was in the honors program. I had opportunities, a lot of uh, other college students I don't think had. Mm-hmm. But if I could do it again, I would have gone to a better school, which would have, I think, pushed me intellect, pushed me more intellectually um, uh, and during undergrad. Yeah. You know, one of the interesting things about, you know, that study is that uh, it doesn't really talk about happiness or life satisfaction. Mm. Um, True. You know, and I don't I don't want to be overly naive about it and to suggest that, you know, what the amount you make doesn't have some connection to your happiness. People study this. The research is. You know, of various degrees of utility, because a lot of it's quite bad. To, I think, to be mm-hmm. frank, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but that being said, uh, clearly, income is, if not strongly correlated to happiness, is somewhat correlated to happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But but maybe only weekly. Um, you know, I, I know plenty of people who aren't in the top income wage earners in any zip code in the United States and they're here in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, certainly in terms of the world, they are quite wealthy mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and comfortable and their, their income is quite, uh, would be quite high because the United States is uh, so far out ahead economically of most other countries. Travis, sorry to interrupt yeah, 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 quickly. Yeah, yeah. What's Please. the medium, median income in the U.S.? Do you know off the top of your head? I, I, I believe it's in the mid-30s. That's what um, I mean. I want to say it was yeah, 37,000 or something like that. I thought it was low. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, you know, in California, I know has a higher median income than, you know, other states and things like that. Um, so, you know, the, the wage earner thing and the happiness thing aren't the same. Mm-hmm. They're just not. They can't and, uh, and yeah, I mean, that's what Stephen says is, is exactly right. They really can't be. Or my theory of what it is to lead a good life is just totally crabbed. It's just like, 
fucked. I, I like, I mean, it, that, that can't be it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. so anyway, I mean, it's not to say that, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a more rigorous intellectual education, all that, that I have, I have serious doubts about uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not to take us too far afield from the topic, but there's a lot of group think and not a lot of, um, yeah. questioning in elite institutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone is so fucking paranoid about someone seeing <laughs> through them that they're not that smart. Yeah. Everyone mm-hmm. is so paranoid about not, about mm-hmm. like, oh, they don't belong at Harvard. They mm-hmm. don't belong at Yale. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to figure that out. Imposter um, syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, it, that they, they don't question a lot of stuff and it's very easy to get a kind of orthodoxy around that. So thank you. Cause uh, at, at actually- least in the humanities. Yeah, yeah. There, there are actually a couple of people who I saw. I My boss was on a panel for the Met Museum a few weeks ago, or maybe just two weeks ago. Uh, it was a, and a panel ostensibly convened to talk about museums, their futures, mm-hmm. what, who they serve, la, 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 that kind of thing. And they mm-hmm. had people besides Frog, they had, well, Frog is really, doesn't really come from the museum world. It comes from art history, and mm-hmm. he's run this, you know, you know um, blog slash magazine for the past more than 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had no one on the panels that were administrators in or researchers of the museum world. Mm-hmm. And one of the people that, two of the people they had was this guy named Jonathan Square, who I know, oh, I know from, Jonathan, yeah. do you know him? Yeah. Stephen? From NYU mm-hmm. and Sean yeah. Burke. Yeah. Okay. I know that he teaches, I think he's, I, he, at, when I met him, at least he was an adjunct at Harvard and, um, mm-hmm. He gave some talk at the, at, I think Brooklyn Public Library. And I went and I thought, and I thought it was enjoyable. I talked with him afterwards. But then I asked him to write something for Hyperallergic. He actually wrote a review of a piece, a review of a show by, um, um, the woman, Stephen, you might know her, who plays the rage character. Um, what is the name of that, um, black woman artist with a, um, Afro, who's I'm blanking on right now. Um, who's name rage I'm character? On, I should say. I'm sorry. What you said? Rage character. Yeah, her character's name is Rage. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'll come back to that. But he wrote a review, and I thought it was really weak. I thought it was not critical at all. And I'm like, this guy's at Harvard. I'm like, what is the deal with that? Anyway, he was on the pa- he was he was chairing two panels and another mm-hmm. person who was chairing a panel was sarah lewis sarah lewis is you know best-selling author yeah harvard faculty la 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 all over the place like at the venice biennale you know um, pals with the esther gates and naomi campbell and la 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 and mm-hmm. and i've i've gone to hear hear her lectures and i have to say i am really underwhelmed like like on un- like under underwhelmed like Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like really? here's underwhelmed and here's where I am <laughs> <laughs> exactly I'm like ah, oh. like yeah not impressed not at all I got so that's all to say that yeah I, I, it's you're right Travis and you always remind me of this because I think I'm a little more starstruck with certain kind of intellectual credentials than you are you always mm-hmm. remind me, yeah, no, that's not really a thing. Like, nope, there's no, there's no real correlation there. Stephen, what would you, uh, besides uh, uh, going to a, a super four star like spa resort, which is what the uni- <laughs> universities have become? So, <laughs> oh, shit. 
it's true. Like the climbing gyms and all that kind of stuff. Not, yeah, I probably wouldn't be anywhere near a college or university. But I thought I'd answer the question this way. I think I would want several lives concurrently. I don't think it would be one after the other or one based on um, what I don't do now. So I'm thinking more extensively about the things that I'd like to see, the things that I, I think I'd enjoy being. So I kind of want to just go concurrently. I would want to be, I would want to study philosophy more. Mm. I just want to be, would be more of a philosopher. So I would study it. I would travel and I would examine not just Western, but Eastern. And I would look at Africa and kind of pull out the stuff that's there. That's really ever talked about. I'd also look, I'd also want to be a dirtier hippie, hippie like person, <laughs> which would be part of the philosophy <laughs> that I think <laughs> is something that I'm kind of in now and kind of also like, it, it, it's a direct response to anything shiny. Mm. Or, or anything um, resulting in a brand, an idea mm. of a brand, a self-advertisement. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this will be my advertisement. Okay, fuck me. Fuck you. Yeah, I just would want to do that. And then mm. I'd also would, would want to have different aspects. I would want to have pursued being a musician more seriously mm. and an athlete more seriously because I would want to just mm. light up my entire body, right? So I would want the mind, I would want the body, and I would want the, the art, you know, art part of me really life. So I would want to live all those lives concurrently, you know, in different bodies. So, like yeah, yeah. So those, that's kind of where so I'm at. Steven would go back and become a superhero. If he were, <laughs> if he could, re- if he could relive Super things. Steven. So are you guys aware of Bojack Horseman? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. yeah so, which, which one? So in the sixth season, spoiler alert, everyone, this is what everyone says on the internet. We have their show. Mm. Spoiler alert. And that is the sixth season, the next to the very last episode is called The View from Way Down. Half mm. view half the view halfway down. Mm-hmm. And it clicked in my head that I've been telling people for years that I often go, Steven, do you want to do dot dot dot? And I'm like, sure. And my body lights up, my pupils engorge, and I just start running towards the cliff. And then halfway down. I'm like, is there any water? <laughs> Am I jumping into a lake? <laughs> I hope there's not. If it's the ground, just don't let it hit me too hard. I don't want to die. I don't want to break any bones. But so I thought it was. So that's kind of where I'm at. I meaning that I think I don't regret anything I've done in my life. I kind of just wish I would have done more of the things that I enjoyed and that mm. I wasn't too hesitant or apprehensive or like when I was running track, I start tried to run track for two reasons. One, I thought yeah. it'd be something to do. And there was a girl that I liked <laughs> as a sophomore <laughs> named Charlotte Staples. If you're listening, Charlotte these Staples, are, these are totally I still le- love you. And <laughs> these so, are totally legitimate reasons to do anything. Right. Just want to be with a girl. Except <laughs> the queer man. And so she, um, I love Charlotte oh, no, no, Staples. I meant, I meant romantic interest. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I meant that I was just yeah. acknowledging the trajectory of where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that so when Charlotte was running, and the girls and boys used to run. Uh, I went to Macumber Whitney Technical Vocational High School, and these were the last sort of like uh, what do you call those schools? Um, trade schools. I think it was the last mm-hmm. trade school in Toledo, Ohio, mm-hmm. the largest mm-hmm. high school. So we ha- we ran through the hallways. We did have a track area, but it wasn't really developed that way. So we ran indoors because the football team was out there. And so I remember running with Charlotte Staples. And then turning around, looking at the track coach, who was imitating the way I was running with his legs kind of like, oh, his legs are just doing all this. And they were having this big laugh. Oh, no. 
And that was the end of my guitar career. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But I only yes. pulled that out not as a, oh. <laughs> I pulled it out as a, no, no, yeah. a moment that, that like those moments or similar moments where I just stopped doing something. You know, I stopped, yeah. learning, I stopped learning the um, the violin in the sixth grade because I walked into class one day. And the guy who was teaching us was irritated with all of us because we weren't practicing. And he goes, did you practice today? And for some reason, I just felt like being smart with him. I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> he took my state-sponsored violin and he threw it across the room. Damn. I left class and that was the last time I touched violin. Damn. So there were moments like that that I kind of wish I would have had something else in my head and heart mm. or ambition to just move past it, right? To make me more, to run, I guess, more correctly, I guess, or to go pick up my state-sponsored violin and continue. So that's what I mean by, you know, I would have want to live simultaneous lives like that. So, so yeah, that's it. Wow. Uh, yeah, that that's rough. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, yeah, the, the violin <laughs> thing, I can't imagine that you think about it that often, but... I mean, what you're... Uh, dis- what you just descri- Sorry, Travis, but it sounds like what no, you're describing in, is, is a kind of... I mean, I think this word is fucking overused, but those were traumatic events. Like, not... They were like a kind... And again, this other word gets overused, but man, it just feels like it's it belongs here. Like, a kind of violence like the violence of being mocked or or at least the scorn of being mocked and then the 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 violence of actually having the thing that was supposed to be your musical instrument like thrown literally thrown from <laughs> yeah. you like that's fucked up taken out of my hand and thrown yeah yeah i was about to say so did he grab it from your hand and- yeah yeah and so <sighs> What makes me laugh is I was like, I'm just this far from being a millennial, <laughs> not in age, but just this idea of feeling like things have happened to me and I need to acknowledge them. But at the same time, I'm living a culture where, which just what you said, it, the overuse of the word trauma or tragedy and right. the, how, many, how people use it, but it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for the person who's been traumatized, right? It doesn't right. do anything for the person... In fact, if anything, it might make them shrink more into, okay, okay, I won't say it then. But it did have an effect on the way I saw and these these pathways to a particular kind of Stephen that I would have liked to have tried to have been more of. And I think right now the after effect of all of that is has been to overwork myself, is to to do the halfway down, to jump off the cliff. Mm. I wonder if that Stephen would have been temp- had tempered this particular Stephen. That's all. Yeah. Mm. The uh, the running one was it the coach that was making fun of you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah. Th- that's harder. That's difficult. Yeah. I know because he was well, an I mean, authority figure. I mean, the you other, know? you know, yeah. I was. I mean, the uh, the other. I mean, not in a not in an overly pointed way, but the other, like if it were kids, that's not really a story. Like right. that, I, I, I have less sympathy for that. Like, yeah, who didn't get made fun of as a kid? Like, sorry, mm-hmm. you just need to suck it up and be okay with it. It's very <laughs> different yeah. when a teacher, when an authority figure is, sure. uh, is ridiculing you. I mean, just the mm-hmm. weight of that, um, it's just a heavier, heavier, heavier blow. Um, especially at a particularly formative age, you know, um, rough, just rough. What was hilarious about it is I started a, so I put it in the middle of some writing I was doing and I said, okay, what if he wasn't making fun of you? 
<laughs> what if somebody else was running next to you and he was actually imitating that guy? What if you got it wrong? So, <laughs> right. so then I so just started this, thinking about different ways of engaging. And that there's moment. this Usain Bolt out there that, like, who had actually been ridiculed, but it just for uh, for want of lack of observation, is didn't realize it and kept on. Yeah, of course it's true. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. So, 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 yeah. So sorry, that that reminds me of a of a joke by I think Ron Funches. He um stand up comedian, um he black guy, he um used to be kind of slovenly looking. Now he he dresses up for his sets and he looks actually very dapper on stage. He lost a lot of weight, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Um he has a special needs child and he does some work around him. Um, anyway, he, he, he was doing this set. And the first time, I think one of the first times I saw the guy and he was talking and this is when he was chubbier and he said, um, yeah, I'm not having a great day. Uh, you know, someone called me the N word, um, uh, recently. And, uh, mm. and, uh, I, I, I was feeling really, really bad about it. And the audience is like, Oh, and, and he's like, yeah, yeah. But then I, I thought about it some more and I decided that I just didn't hear the last of what he was saying to me. So I was crossing the street and I hear, use the crosswalk, nigga. I'm worried about your safety. (laughs) 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 He said, he said, you know, which is something I say to my son. (laughs) So (laughs) today's conversation is split into two parts. You just heard part one of two. Uh, We hope you'll join us next week for our continued conversation. As always, thanks very much for listening.